Welcome to episode three, In the Beginning. This week we'll be summarizing the second chapter of the Canadian Army in Afghanistan, Volume 1, A Nation Under Fire, 2001-2006, to by Sean Maloney, Ph.D. In the labyrinth of post-9-11 geopolitics, the narrative of Canada's early involvement in the Afghan war unfolds with the unpredictability of a geopolitical chess match. As the global stage grapples with the aftermath of the Twin Tower collapse, in the beginning, navigates the intricate maneuvers and strategic decisions that thrust Canada into the heart of a conflict with no script. Part three of this unfolding saga dwells into the nuanced complexities of the international response, revealing the intricacies of diplomatic engagements, unexpected alliances, and the emergence of pivotal missions like Operation Apollo. Against the backdrop of a rapidly evolving landscape, the text unveils how the delicate balance between military operations and stabilization efforts laid the foundwork for Canada's enduring role in the Afghan theater. My name is James, and I'm the host of Canada in Afghanistan, the podcast. The 9-11 attacks, which occurred on September 11, 2001, were a series of coordinated terrorist attacks carried out by the extremist group Al-Qaeda on American soil. The assailants hijacked four commercial airplanes, deliberately crashing two into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, and another into the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. The fourth plane, United Airlines Flight 93, crashed into a field in Pennsylvania after passengers bravely thwarted the hijackers' plans. The attacks resulted in the deaths of nearly 3,000 people and caused extensive destruction, marking one of the most significant and tragic events in modern history. The aftermath of 9-11 had a profound global implication, leading the United States to initiate the War on Terror. The attacks prompted widespread changes in the international security policies, airport screenings, and the intelligence operations. The event also triggered military interventions in Afghanistan and Iraq, with the primary goal of dismantling terrorist networks and preventing future attacks of terrorism. The repercussions of 9-11 continued to shape the geopolitical dynamics, influencing counter-terrorism strategies, and shaping the discourse surrounding national and international security. The initiation of the war in Afghanistan was a direct response to the 9-11 attacks on the United States. Al-Qaeda, the terrorist organization responsible for the attacks, was operating with the protection of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. Following the attacks, the U.S. government, under President George W. Bush, demanded the Taliban extradite Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda, and dismantle the terrorist infrastructure within Afghanistan. The Taliban's refusal to comply with these demands and the failure to hand over bin Laden led the decision by the United States to launch a military action against both Al-Qaeda and the Taliban regime. In October 2001, Operation Enduring Freedom was initiated, marked the beginning of the war in Afghanistan. The primary objectives were to dismantle the Taliban government, remove the safe haven for Al-Qaeda, and bring those responsible for the 9-11 attacks to justice. The military campaign involved airstrikes, the deployment of special forces, the coordination with Afghan and opposition groups, including the Northern Alliance. The rapid collapse of the Taliban regime paved the way for efforts to stabilize the country and address the long-term challenges of governments and security. As the military phase transitioned, the international community, including the United Nations, 
played a crucial role in shaping the post-Klopfeldt scenario. The Bonn Agreement in 2001 of December established a framework for the creation of the Afghan Interim Administration and the subsequent deployment of the International Security Assistance Force, ISAF, aimed at providing stability during the transitional period. The war in Afghanistan evolved into complex and protracted conflict, involving nation-building efforts, counterinsurgency operations, and ongoing struggles for regional stability amid shifting geopolitical dynamics. Canada's military involvement in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks marked a surprising departure from its traditional peacekeeping stereotype. Historically recognized for its peacekeeping contribution, Canada's entry into the war in Afghanistan with Operation Apollo in 2001 was a paradigm shift that caught many by surprise. The decision to commit combat troops showcased a newfound willingness to engage in active combat missions, challenging the prevailing image of Canada as a predominantly peacekeeping nation. Their strategic shift underscored the nation's commitment to global security and its resolve to confront emerging threats, even if it meant deviating from its peacekeeping legacy. The impact of Canada's military involvement in Afghanistan extended beyond the battlefield. The deployment of combat forces demonstrated Canada's readiness to adapt to evolving security challenges and contribute substantively to the international coalition efforts. It marked a pivotal moment in reshaping perceptions of Canadian military capabilities and showcased the country's commitment to addressing the complex realities of modern warfare. This departure from the peacekeeping stereotype highlighted Canada's ability in responding to global security demands and its willingness to play a more assertive role in the pursuit of peace and stability on the world stage. One of the most notable chapters in Canada's military involvement in Afghanistan was the deployment of the three PPC-Allied battle group. In response to the evolving situation on the ground and the need to secure critical facilities in southern Afghanistan, the Canadian government authorized the deployment of the 3rd Battalion, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. This marked a significant juncture as the battle group, primarily a light infantry unit, found itself at the forefront of a complex and dynamic conflict. Tasked with securing Kandahar Airfield, or CAF, a critical logistics hub for coalition efforts, the three PPCLI battle group faced the dual challenge of consolidating the gains made against the Taliban regime and addressing the lingering threat posed by al-Qaeda forces in the region. The deployment demonstrated Canada's commitment to contributing to combat-ready forces to stabilize the post-conflict environment. A departure from its historical peacekeeping role, the three PPCLI battle group's entry into the war underscored the adaptability of Canadian forces and their pivotal role in supporting broader coalition objectives during a crucial phase in the early stages of Operation Enduring Freedom. The collaboration between Canadian and American forces during the early stages of Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan was characterized by close coordination and shared objectives. As Canada committed its military forces to the conflict, a significant emphasis was placed on interoperability and synergy with the United States, key ally in the coalition. This collaboration extended across various aspects of the operation, from strategic planning to tactical execution on the ground, Canadian-American military planners worked closely together to align their respective objectives and ensure a unified approach to addressing the complex challenges in Afghanistan. The operational theater saw joint efforts in securing key locations, such as Kandahar Airfield, where Canadian forces played a crucial role. The exchange of intelligence, resources, and expertise between the two nations 
facilitated a more effective and comprehensive campaign against the remnants of the Taliban regime and al-Qaeda forces. The collaboration went beyond the military realm, encompassing diplomatic and political coordination. This joint approach was evident in discussions about the formation of the International Security Assistance Force and the subsequent stabilization efforts in Afghanistan. The partnership between Canadian and American forces during this period laid the groundwork for a sustained multinational effort and showcased the strength of alliances in addressing the complex post-conflict landscape in the region. The collaboration between Canadian and American forces during the early stages of Operation Enduring Freedom drew parallels with historical instances of joint military efforts, notably the first Special Service Force during World War II, much like the FSSF, a combined Canadian and American unit known as the Devil's Brigade. The Canadian and American forces in Afghanistan operated seamlessly, capitalizing on their shared values, training, and a commitment to a common cause. Just as the Devil's Brigade exemplified the strength of collaboration between the two nations in the face of sheer adversaries, the joint efforts in Afghanistan showcased the effectiveness of Canadian and American military cooperation. The lessons learned from historical precedents, including the FSSF's success in unconventional warfare, likely influenced the strategic thinking that underpinned the coordination between Canadian and American forces in the complex and dynamic environment of Afghanistan. This historical perspective underscores the enduring nature of transnational alliances and the importance of joint military ventures in confronting global security challenges. After the tragic events of 9-11, the United States, along with its allies, faced critical strategic decisions that would shape the course of international military interventions. One of the key determinations was the identification of al-Qaeda as the primary enemy. The orchestration of the 9-11 attacks by Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda network prompted the decisive shift in U.S. foreign policy, focusing on dismantling this terrorist organization responsible for the deadly assault on American soil. The strategic decision to prioritize al-Qaeda as the main enemy reflected a commitment to counterterrorism efforts aimed at preventing future attacks and holding those responsible accountable. The shift in focus also played a pivotal role in shaping the objectives of subsequent military campaigns, including Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. The recognition of al-Qaeda as the principal adversary underscored the need for targeted military operations to disrupt and dismantle the organization, as well as to neutralize its leadership. The strategic decisions made in the aftermath of 9-11 reflected a broader, international consensus that addressing the immediate threat posed by al-Qaeda was paramount to global security and stability. In the wake of the 9-11 attacks and the identification of al-Qaeda as the primary threat, diplomatic efforts were made to address the situation in Afghanistan. The United States, along with its allies, attempted to persuade the Taliban regime to hand over Osama bin Laden, the mastermind behind the attacks. Diplomatic channels, including secret meetings in Quetta, Pakistan, were utilized to present an ultimatum to the Taliban leadership, surrender bin Laden, or face severe consequences. The lack of a positive response led to the initiation of Operation Enduring Freedom in October 2001. One of the overarching concerns during this period was the potential power vacuum in Afghanistan. Planners recognized the delicate balance of ethnic and tribal dynamics within the country and sought to avoid a repeat of the chaotic aftermath followed the Soviet withdrawal in the 1990s. The fear of Kabul falling into the hands of factions, like Fahim Khan Group of the Northern Alliance, raised the specter of renewed civil war and tribal resentments. 
This concern was a driving force behind discussions in Washington about the necessity of creating an international force to preserve the neutrality of the capital city, emphasize the importance of stability to further prevent conflict, and establish a foundation for the country's future. The war on terror had a substantial impact on Canada's NATO obligations, reshaping the nature and extent of its contributions to the alliance. Following the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, the United States, a NATO member, invoked Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, marking the first time this collective defense clause had been activated. This triggered a significant shift in NATO's focus towards addressing the global threat on terrorism. Canada, as a NATO member, played a vital role in responding to the alliance's obligations. In response to the invocation of Article 5, NATO initiated Operation Eagle Assist, in which Canada participated. This operation involved providing air surveillance over the United States to enhance its air defense capabilities in the aftermath of the attacks. One of the most impactful assets of Canada's NATO obligations during the War on Terror was its involvement with the NATO-led mission in Afghanistan. Canada committed forces to the International Security Assistance Force, contributing to stabilization, combat operations, and reconstruction efforts in the southern province of Kandahar. This deployment represented a significant commitment of Canadian troops, resources, and capabilities. As the situation in Afghanistan evolved, NATO transitioned from the ISAF mission to the Resolute Support Mission in 2015, focusing on training, advising, and assisting Afghan security forces. Canada continued its involvement in this new phase, aligning with NATO's efforts to support the Afghan government in building sustainable security and stability. Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty is a highly significant and it represents core principles of the collective defense within the NATO alliance. The article, which has only been invoked once in NATO history, underscores the commitment of member states to each other's security and mutual defense against armed attacks. Here are the key significant points of Article 5. First is collective defense. Article 5 establishes the principle that an armed attack against one or more NATO members is considered an attack against all members. This collective defense mechanism reflects the alliance's solidarity and commitment to ensuring security of each member state. Next, deterrence. By explicitly stating that an attack on one member will be met with a collective response, Article 5 serves as a powerful deterrent. Potential aggressors are made aware that any act of aggression will not go unanswered, and it encourages a responsible behavior among member states. Next is unity and solidarity. The invocation of Article 5 fosters a sense of unity and solidarity among NATO members. It demonstrates that the alliance is a cohesive and interdependent security community, ready to support and defend one another in the face of external threats. Response to 9-11 attacks. The only time Article 5 has been a vote was in the response to the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001 against the United States. This marked a historic moment for NATO, highlighting its adaptability to respond to a new and unconventional security challenge, including those posed by terrorism. Next is operationalization of collective defense. Invocation of Article 5 triggered the deployment of NATO assets and resources to support the United States in its response to the 9-11 attacks. NATO initiated Operation Eagle Assist, demonstrating the Alliance's commitment to it addressing evolving security threats and its capability to act collectively in a time of crisis. Next was a symbol of commitment. Article 5 serves as a symbolic expression of the commitment of NATO members to each other's security. It goes beyond a mere treaty obligation and embodies the shared values, trust, and cooperation among member states. Lastly, adaptability. The invocation of Article 5 in response to a non-traditional security threat showcases NATO's ability 
to adapt to contemporary challenges. It underscores the Alliance's role in addressing a wide range of security issues beyond traditional military threats. In summary, Article 5 is a foundational element of the North Atlantic Treaty, representing the heart of NATO's commitment to collective defense, deterrence, and the shared security of its member states. Its significance was particularly evident in the wake of the 9-11 attacks, highlighting NATO's adaptability to address modern security challenges. Canada has historically maintained a strategic doctrine that emphasizes active participation in coalition operations as a key component of its foreign and defense policy. This commitment to coalition operations is rooted in Canada's recognition of the interconnectedness of global security and the belief that working collaboratively with allies enhances its own national security. Throughout history, Canada has consistently contributed military forces and expertise to various international coalitions reflecting a commitment to collective security and shared responsibility. During the two world wars, Canada played a significant role within the British Empire and later as an independent nation, contributing substantial military forces to coalition efforts. These experiences reinforced the idea that collective action is essential in addressing global threats and conflicts. The lessons learned from these early coalition engagements influenced Canada's strategic thinking in the post-war era. The Cold War era saw Canada actively participating in NATO, a military alliance formed for collective defense against the perceived threat of the Soviet expansion. This commitment to NATO underscored Canada's dedication to a multilateral approach to security, emphasizing cooperation with allies to deter potential adversaries. The NATO alliance became the cornerstone of Canada's strategic doctrine, and the principles of collective defense and solidarity remained central to the military posture. In the post-Cold War era, Canada's strategic doctrine evolved to address the new security challenges and opportunities. The emphasis on coalition operations gained prominence during peacekeeping missions in the Balkans and other regions, reflecting Canada's commitment to international peace and stability. Notably, Canada played a leading role in the NATO-led intervention in Kosovo in 1999, reinforcing its dedication to the multilateral efforts aimed at resolving conflicts and preventing humanitarian crises. The events of September 11, 2001, marked a significant turning point, leading Canada to actively participate in the U.S.-led coalition against terrorism. The invocation of NATO Article 5 for the first time highlighted Canada's commitment to a collective defense and solidarity in response to an evolving security threat, including non-state actors and transnational terrorism. In more recent years, Canada's involvement in coalition operations has extended to Afghanistan, where it contributed substantial military forces as part of the NATO-led mission. This commitment showcased Canada's willingness to engage in complex and challenging environments, further emphasizing the importance of collective efforts in addressing global security concerns. Overall, Canada's historic strategic doctrine involving coalition operations reflects a commitment to collective security, alliance building, and active participation in international efforts to address evolving security challenges. The emphasis on collaboration and shared responsibility underscores Canada's understanding that effective responses to contemporary threats require a cooperative and multilateral approach. The Canadian Army considered various deployment options in response to the evolving situation in Afghanistan, particularly in the early stages of the War on Terror. These options were shaped by factors such as logistical constraints, strategic considerations, and specific needs of the mission. The planning process involved assessing the capabilities of Canadian forces, 
logistical challenges, and the potential impact on the overall coalition efforts. Here are some of the deployment options that were considered. MCF Heavy. One of the considered options was a mechanized combat formation, or an MCF, with heavy equipment. However, this option was deemed not feasible within the 90-day time frame due to logistics constraints. Canada's lack of strategic airlift and sea lift capabilities, particularly having Canadian-owned C-17 transports at the time, posed challenges for the rapid deployment of heavy mechanized force. MCF Light. Another option involved deploying a mechanized combat formation with a lighter configuration. This option included a brigade headquarters, an immediate reaction force, a battalion group, an armored reconnaissance squadron, light artillery, combat engineers, a service battalion, a field ambulance, and military police. This configuration aimed to provide a flexible and responsive force suitable for an Afghan mission. Peace support operations. The Land Force Quebec area was instructed to prepare a brigade headquarters for a peace support operation as envisioned by the UN standby system. This option involved preparing for a role that focused on maintaining peace and stability, reflecting a broader commitment to the international efforts beyond the immediate conflict in Afghanistan. Next was International Force Kabul. As discussions unfolded in Washington, the possibility of creating an international force to preserve the neutrality of the capital city emerged. This idea gained traction, leading to the eventual establishment of the International Security Assistance Force, or ISAF. The international force option emphasized the importance of stabilizing Kabul and preventing a power vacuum that could lead to further conflicts. Next, we discussed provincial reconstruction teams. Concerns about nation-building prompted the establishment of provincial reconstruction teams, or PRTs, in late 2002 and early 2003. This option reflected a shift towards minimizing direct intervention in Afghan affairs and instead focusing on encouraging and enabling Afghan institutions. Canada's eventual command of the Kandahar Provincial Reconstruction Team in 2005 exemplified this approach. Last was an IRF Light Battalion. The Immediate Reaction Force, or IRF, battalion, based on three PPCLIs, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, played a significant role. Initially, there were constraints in deploying the full IRF battalion within 48 hours, but the Vanguard Company Group was placed on a 48-hour notice to move on 24 October. This highlighted the agility and rapid response capability of a light infantry unit. The consideration of these deployment options reflected the Canadian Army's strategic assessments, logistical capabilities, and the evolving nature of the mission in Afghanistan. The eventual deployment of the 3 PPCLI battle group illustrated the adaptability of the Canadian forces to re respond to specific needs of the campaign. The optimization of force structures for various scenarios is a critical aspect of military planning, and it involves tailoring the composition, size, and the capabilities of its armed forces to effectively address specific challenges and objectives. Canadian military planners have historically engaged in a thorough assessment of potential scenarios, considering factors such as threat assessments, geopolitical dynamics, and the nature of conflicts. The optimized force structures are designed to enhance operational effectiveness and strategic flexibility in diverse environments. In the context of Canada's military involvement in the war on terror and coalition operations, force optimization has been shaped by the need to respond to asymmetric threats, counterterrorism efforts, and stabilization missions. For instance, during the early stages of the Afghan conflict, the Canadian Army considered various deployment options ranging from, like we talked about, the heavy mechanized force to light infantry battalions. The choice of the force structure was influenced by logistical constraints, strategic objectives, and the evolving nature of the conflict. In scenarios like Afghanistan, where stability operations and counterinsurgency efforts were essential, 
The optimized force structures emphasized the importance of adaptable and agile units. The establishment of provincial reconstruction teams in 2002 and 2003 reflected the shift towards incorporating civilian and military cooperation and reconstruction efforts into the force structure. These multidimensional teams comprising military, diplomatic, and development personnel aim to address the complex challenges of nation-building and the instability in the post-conflict environments. Additionally, force optimization took into account the delicate balance between international coalition efforts and Canada's commitment to maintaining a degree of autonomy in decision-making. Created into broader campaign plans led by the United States or NATO, Canadian military contributions often retained a distinct national identity and operational command. This allowed Canada to align with the coalition objectives while ensuring a tailored approach to address its specific interests and strategic priorities. In summary, the optimized force structures for various scenarios involving Canadian military operations are characterized by adaptability, responsiveness to asymmetric threats, emphasis on collaboration with international partners. The evolution of these structures reflects Canada's commitment to contributing effectively to global security, while maintaining the ability to address specific challenges with autonomy and strategic foresight. In the grand tapestry of Canada's military environment in the War on Terror, our exploration has unraveled the threads of strategic acumen, diplomatic finesse, and the delicate dance between collaboration and autonomy. From the drawing board, where force structures were meticulously crafted to the battlefields where Canadian troops stood shoulder to shoulder with its international allies, this podcast journey has unveiled the nation's nuanced approach to global security. The optimized force structures, epitomized by the ingenious provincial reconstruction teams, serve as a testament to Canada's ability to adapt and innovate in the face of a multifaceted challenge. As we conclude this podcast, it's evident that Canada's historic, strategic doctrine has been a compass navigating through the complex seas of coalition operations. The delicate balance of collaboration with NATO allies and the United States, coupled with a staunch commitment to preserving its unique identity, has defined Canada's role on the world stage. The nation's contributions whether in counterterrorism efforts, stability operations, or the establishment of the International Security Assistance Force, embody the spirit of responsible global citizenship. In the ever-revolving landscape of international relations, Canada's legacy and the war on terror serve as an aspiring narrative of resilience, adaptability, and a steadfast commitment to shaping a more secure and stable world. As we reflect on the podcast journey, it's clear that Canadian contributions transcend mere military operations. They represent a thoughtful and measured approach to global challenges, leaving an indelible mark on the canvas of international security. Canada's military involvement in Afghanistan unfolded through a series of strategic considerations, evolving from the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. Key points on this journey include the initiation of Operation Apollo, where Canada committed forces to the U.S.-led coalition efforts against the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. The decision to deploy an immediate reaction force battalion, rooted in the Canadian Army's Light Infantry Unit, exemplified the adaptability and resourcefulness required in readily changing circumstances. As the war progressed, Canada faced challenges in balancing its commitments to NATO, the United States, and its own national objectives. The delicate dance of integrating Canadian contributions into American campaign plans, while maintaining a degree of autonomy, revealed the intricate diplomatic and strategic maneuvers involved. Simultaneously, Canada grappled with concerns about nation-building and aid dependency. 
leading to the establishment of the Provincial Reconstruction Teams, or PRTs, with an emphasis on enabling Afghan institutions rather than imposing external solutions. The culmination of Canada's military involvement in Afghanistan marked a nuanced chapter in its strategic doctrine. The commitment to NATO obligations, illustrated by the invocation of Article 5, showcased Canada's collaborative spirit, while the establishment of the International Security Assistance Force reflected a commitment to stability and reconstruction. The optimization force structures shaped by the unique challenges of different scenarios demonstrate Canada's ability to tailor its military capabilities to the complexities of modern warfare. Overall, Canada's legacy in Afghanistan reflects a thoughtful, adaptive, and responsible approach to global security challenges. Next episode, we'll dive into the covert corridors of Operation Apollo with our upcoming podcast series, Chapter 2, Operation Apollo Part 1. Join us as we unravel the classified chapters of this pivotal military mission, exploring the clandestine operations, unexpected alliances, and the intricate dance between intelligence and insurgency. In this gripping narrative, we take you behind the scenes of three PPCLI's battle group deployment to Afghanistan, revealing the untold stories that shaped the course of history. Prepare for a roller coaster of intrigue, from Al Qaeda's secret training camps to the scorching plains of Kandahar Airfield. Hear first hand accounts from soldiers who weathered the storm, adapted to the unforeseen challenges, and stood on the front lines of a region teetering on the brink. It's a journey through the shadows of war, where secrets are unveiled and heroes emerge from the darkness. Subscribe now for an immersive experience that transcends borders and timelines, bringing Operation Apollo to life in ways you've never heard. Until next time, stay curious. Stay informed, and may the echoes of our shared history guide us forward. Thank you.